Hi, this is Scott from ESL RPG. Please listen to the end for information about how you can help support and grow this podcast. Welcome to ESL RPG. This week's episode is a special background episode to introduce you to the world and the characters. Now, turning over to a mysterious traveler. I greet you from a strange land. Allow me to tell you about the land, its history, legends, and people. The world is on a large planet, Jostin, the size of our Jupiter. There are large deserts, forests, swamps. Every race has their own country. The poles are held for magic gathering is neutral ground. No country lays claim to anything there, but all countries will use it freely. Experimentation is frequent and common, especially for spell research at the poles. There is technology supplemented by magic and alchemy, understood by tinkers, mages, and alchemists, a mix of technological and magical items bent towards mechanisms. This world is just entering the industrial age. There are two classes of guns, black powder, simple mechanical guns, and magical guns made of all magical and alchemical components in self-contained cartridges. Medicine is magically and chemically mixed and very advanced with injectable magical cures and potions. Medicine is expensive, but accessible for a price. The area we are in now is Whitehall. It is a large city like Anchorage or Toyama, a huge port city of 300,000 with fishing and shipping. They are open to all things living, but strongly against the undead, with very few practicing necromancers. The nearest town is Escanaba. The area is magically fertile, with mild winters and cool summers. The season is currently fall. There are rest areas every two miles between towns on the roads. These areas have communal maps showing open and closed roads back and forth, as well as your current location. These maps are magically updated, and portable versions are available for a very high price. These rest areas are also manned by guards from both cities the roads are between. Guard stations between rest areas and cities have message towers to communicate emergency information. But the average man communicates by runners, semaphore, or carrier animals at a cost. Most cities have mail stations, and most mailmen are centaurs. But not all centaurs are mailmen. The most important history for this land is their largest war. Two hundred years ago, there was the Bloody Great War, or just the war. The boundaries between the plains were worked so thin that anyone could pass between the plains with ease. Armies from the Astral Plane, Elysium, the Beastlands, Mount Celestia, and Iskard on one side, and the Abyss, Hades, and the Nine Hells on the other, fought a war over the plains, including Limbo, the Feywild, the Shadowfell, the Underdark, and the Material Plane. Armies led by the four saved and secured the inner plains, locking all planner travel to just certain key cities by use of great magical artifacts. Planar gates in the cities are marked by great adamantine gates, enabling travel to the outer plains, and travel between the inner plains is controlled by the mages' guilds on all the inner plains. Ah, you ask who the four are? Well, 
The most famous story in these lands is of the four. Over four hundred years ago, a group of friends met. A winged elf hunting and tracking in the forest. A dragon running around as a dog and becoming one with nature. A drinking, fighting monk from across the plains. And a gnomish rogue tinkering in alchemy. These four met to learn, to have fun, and to spread happiness in the world. In the end, they stood against the forces of evil, demons, dragons, the Underdark, and the armies of Lolf. Four legendary heroes. They seem like myths, people who can't possibly be real. Men who level cities in an instant, who fly ships through the sky, living gods. Their seat is some mystical city where old heroes retire to, a Valhalla of sorts. You don't find it. You are chosen. Every so often, these heroes come to overthrow unjust governments, cause havoc, fight for the common man, and truth strike up. These four legendary heroes, known as the Four, are Kyoko, Kit, Father Jack, Nobody, and Somebody. Wait a minute. Uh, never mind. I find myself in a bar and hotel called The Drum, in the company of seven people. Two elven women, one no-nonsense and using the magic of nature, one kind and using the magic of the gods. One half-orc, a magical musician, playing the pan flute and guitar with a wealth of curiosity but a short temper. One strange dwarf who speaks well with gray skin, white eyes, and many secrets. One halfling, a monk entertaining and fighting with fire and chasing skirts on the side. One human, a large man who fights with fury, speaks little, but has a gentle heart. And a massive, grandfatherly farmer with gray skin covered in twisting red stripes, telling stories with the help of magical illusions. This is their story. All right, is this thing on? Well, what? How am I supposed to tell how it's on? Man, I ain't never used one of these beast boxes before, man. What are you talking about, little red, red blinking light thing, man? Red lights on? Red lights on? Okay, red lights on. All right, now, uh, I'm Bob. I grew up in a farm long way away from here, but according to my mama, I was never actually born on the farm, but she never really told me too much about that. She did tell me that she found me in the woods. Uh, she and her grandpappy and her husband, she, they took me home, and I grew up with mommy and daddy and grandpappy. And Grandpappy, I took to him real well. I mean, he told me all them stories about uh, fighting in the war and uh, going over here and there and all over the place. Man, I miss my Grandpappy. Oh, uh, these red things all over me? No, oh, no, they they ain't tattoos, man. They I was born this way, man. But, uh, yeah, long story short, yeah, uh, growing up on the farm, everything going fine, everything going peaceful. But then uh, one of these days, uh, out in the woods hunting with my Grandpappy looking for... Uh, you know, wild edibles, things like that. And we passed some wolves, a whole pack of wolves led by a big dire wolf heading straight for the town. Well, you know, one way or the other, we got to take care of that pack of dire wolves so the town's safe. Well, we go back and, uh, yeah, one thing leads to another. Uh, Grandpappy died. 
And ever since then, I thought, man, I'm going to have to be stronger just so I can make sure I don't to let that happen to no one else. To let no one else have that happen to them. And, uh, well, that's worked pretty well over the years. I met my wife. We had ourselves a whole gaggle of kids. Uh, some of them adopted, some of them not. But at the same time, uh, they grew up, they left home, they went off and made their own families. I've got a whole bunch of grandkids all over this damn world. But now, well, now there ain't no home for me to go back to. So I got to go back in the world and try and find a new home for me or make one. Anyway, that's me. How do you turn this thing off? Corgan was born in the city of Gontelgrim. From an early age, he was tasked in helping sell minerals from the Underdark to any of the races willing to buy. He has had encounters with all sorts of different races, ranging from humans to surface dwarves and even drow. His family had a legitimate business, but Corgan quickly learned that there was more gold to be made by conning customers and vendors alike. Corgan was the golden boy of his family, and so he lied and did everything he could to hide his thievery and deceit from his family, especially his father. He was able to sell anything to anyone, using his persona of fake honesty. He did find his match in another Durgar, called Thardin. A con artist himself, his specialty was sweet-talking any woman of any race into helping him with his so-called string of bad luck. They seemed rivals at first, but formed a steadfast bond, working together to amass as much wealth as possible. Things turned out sour one day, however, as Thardin met a human woman called Leah. Proceeding with their plan of stealing everything she had, Thardin protested as his scheme of befriending and romancing her left him with lasting feelings for the girl. Corgan was more interested in the gold and jewelry she possessed, and their one strong bond crumbled. Corgan proceeded to break in and swoop as many valuables as possible, but was caught by the guards. His father's influence in the city was enough to get him out of prison, and once again Corgan resorted to lying his way out of trouble to his family. Thardin, being resentful of Corgan's greed which caused Leah to leave the city much sooner than she had planned, presented proof of Corgan's past thievery and lies. Corgan's father made it clear that Corgan as well as Thardin was to be returned to prison, as he would have no criminals besmirch his business. In response, Corgan fled his home and escaped to the surface to start a new life. Being a Durgar uh, would get him a lot of prejudice from surface dwellers, but his past as a deceitful salesman would let him be able to convince pretty much anyone. Um, Corgan adopted the name Turncloak as to convince anyone that he voluntarily left behind the evil of the Underdark to pursue a life of good on the blessed surface. Let me tell you about Dreg. Now, I'm going to tell you about Dreg not using my character because he would particularly not know how to talk about his own past with other people. He doesn't do well communicating with people. So let me start with where he was born. He was born in a family of hunters in a small village. He had two parents, an older brother and an older sister. But when he was a kid, he was a really big child. And people found him intimidating. 
So people kind of stayed away from him and made fun of him. And because of this, he had a lot of difficulty making friends. And he didn't learn how to socialize with other people. He started not to care about anybody else or anybody around him. And this distanced him from his family so that once everybody kind of got tired of ridiculing him, everyone still left him alone and he was just by himself. As he grew older, he grew more distanced from people. And he wanted to find something to ease his loneliness. So he started growing plants. He started spending all of his time caring for plants. And he somehow found his way into becoming a forester of his village so that he can always be around those plants. He learned about nature through experience, just traveling away from his village in search of new plants to discover. One day, while he was out traveling, looking for other plants, he was out for a few days, and he returned to his village to find out that everything had burned down. And he was worried about all the plants that he had raised from seedlings. Everything was gone. So he became angry at losing his plants, and he ran through the forest, just flailing about for days. And eventually, he was smashing through everything, and he smashed into a tree. And he noticed that he, he damaged this tree, and he felt terrible for harming such an innocent tree. And he stopped to think about what had happened, and what he was going to do next. So after all of this, he decided to go search for his plants that had just disappeared from his village, hoping he can continue raising them sometime in the future. And that's all I have for Dreg. What? Well, uh, how does this thing work? What, what is this? Uh, what? I talk into it? Why? All right, fine. As long as you get me my drink, I don't care. Yeah, my name? My name? Uh, my name is uh, Shagrat. Uh, everybody calls me Shagrat because they're off moron strike. My name is Shagrat. What, what should I say? What? My history? Where I come from? Oh, why does anybody care? Just get me my drink. Where I come from? Well, where I come from is really none of your business. I come from some land far away for all you know. What you do need to know is I was a wizard's apprentice. Yeah, I may look all gruff. Most orcs, I guess, are supposed to be kind of stupid. But no, not me, not old Shagrat. I was a wizard's apprentice, I tell you. I was a mighty strong one, I tell you. I, I could weave a spell like nobody else. Uh, my master, he was he was a great one, I tell you. My master was a, a great and powerful wizard. Uh, he probably saw some power in me, but he turned on me like that. Just cast me out, seeing I was too rebellious, too rambunctious, too prideful, he said. Too stubborn, not willing to learn. I was willing to learn everything he had to show me. He just got jealous of my power. He could foresee. He could tell I would be stronger than him. But, eh, uh, shrike to him, I say. I'm better off now, I say. I'm a bard making good money. Gone from town to town. Eh, uh, I can make a pretty penny, pretty coin. Playing the guitar, playing the piano, playing the lute. Playing the flute, whatever you got, I can play it. I'll play it good, too, like none other. What? Wait, wait what's this light? What's this blinking light? What's happening? Don't pay attention to it. Uh, fine, whatever. Thanks for the drink, finally. Yeah. 
What? No, that's it. I'm done talking. I need my drink. Go away. Let me introduce about Erin. Actually, she doesn't remember where she was born because her parents left her when she was very little. And she grew up in a monastery. And she grew up with the children like her, that they don't have parents around them. And there weren't only elves, so she learned many languages there. And she used to play with the animals in nature. And naturally, she learned how to talk with trees and flowers and animals. Not all types of trees, but it worked. And as she grew up in a monastery, and the abbot was very strict, so she only knew the world in the monastery. So for many years, she wanted to travel around the world to know the new world. And one day, <clears throat> a little bird told her that there is a brother, uh, her brother, who she didn't know. So she wanted to leave the monastery to find him and start traveling the world. Hello, I am Arton. I'm 21 years old. Then I am a monk. I bond at the very big city, at the mountainside. Someone said it, that town is very similar to Denver in U.S. I don't know where it's the U.S. though. Then my family was very poor, but I don't know why, but I had a very strange power. So I can eat fire from, I don't know where, but I can eat fire. So I started Working from very young age, about eight or nine years old. I don't remember the details, but I started the fire eating job on the road. Then I could make money more and more. Then, oh, I should talk about my family too. Actually, I don't know the mother face. Then I don't have any sisters. So, that's why I think I love chasing women now. Then after that, uh, after that, some very strange monk asked me why you can use a eating fire scale on the road when I was working there. Then that strange monk was a um, key master. So I go to the temple, then I train my scale as a temple. Then, oh, this point, I don't want to talk about it, but I eventually, I started to trip the whole world. Then, now I'm here. Then, sometimes I was a very famous in the very big city because fire eating is very special for this world. Then, I could make money. But still, I'm not key master. I want to be a key master someday. All right, well, Shagrat's in the toilet. Why don't you, Erwin, and you out and tell me, how'd you three meet? You'll say you've been traveling together for a while, but, uh, well, where? How? How'd you meet? Tell me. Erwin, tell me. 
I don't wanna tell you. Wasn't talking to you, shorty. I don't wanna tell you still. Alright, Erwin. <laughs> okay. Um after I left the monastery and walked around the city, I saw a little man eating fire. So it was very surprising for me and I I went closer to him and I was looking at him for a long time. Really now? Now is that all? You said you did not want to talk about that. Come on, spill the beans. Um, okay. I was walking on, on the road with fire eating. Then suddenly, very beautiful woman is coming to nearby. But there are so many people, but I could find her. She was Arwin. What's that sound? Yes. Oh, after that, should I talk about other guy also? What, Shagrat? Ooh, yes. Nah, don't worry about him. Uh, well, he's... Sounds like he's still got a minute in there. Oh, it's gonna be a big Well, y'all go on any adventures after that? <laughs> Alright, well, here he comes. He can tell me himself. Hey, welcome back. Y'all have a good shrek? A uh, good shrek? Yeah, it was rather pleasant, actually. It smells like roses. I imagine it does. Now, Alton and Irwin, they just got done telling me about how they met on the road, you know? Uh, uh, just two of them. Just the two of them? Well, he mentioned nothing about me. Well, uh, no, no, they didn't. What? Uh, good shrek. I was the one that met Alton first. Oh, yeah, I met... Alton in this tavern one day. I can't believe they didn't talk about me. It's like I'm not even important. He was busy trying to eat fire or whatever, trying to make more money than me, trying to take away my honest earnings. I'm a hell, I'm just a normal bard, trying to make an honest living. And he comes over here t trying to steal my hard-earned patronage. So I told him, I says, this isn't over. We must go again at the next town, the next tavern. He agreed. And we went down the road. All of a sudden, we come across this, what was she, some elf? He got all googly eyes over, and we've been together ever since. All right. And so, wait, uh, well, that still don't answer whether any of you ever went on any adventures after that. Any adventures? No, as far as I'm concerned, that's the first time we met. Any other adventures is none of your business. Fair enough. Thank you for listening to ESL RPG. This podcast is recorded at MT English School in Toyama, Japan. Real quick, we'd like to say thank you to our patrons. So, thank you to our patron, King Michael, first of his name, master of Cherry Hafweissens, and ruler of the Land of Awesome. Hi, this is Scott from ESL RPG. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash eslrpg. Patrons get access to many benefits, such as updates on the future of our podcast, voting on one-shot campaigns, and access to our full, unedited recordings. Also, if you're a game master or like role-playing, we recommend our friend, a Maps patron, at Milby's Maps. He creates massive maps for fantasy games, including castles and whole cities. If you like what you see, please consider supporting him. 
Finally, one of the biggest ways you can support this podcast is by recommending it to any friends who might be interested. If you know someone who likes games, is studying English, or is looking for ideas for their classroom, let them know about us. Every new listener helps.